One of the reasons I did want to talk is about your return to AEW TV, but uh, I got a chance to see the FTR with Dax live show. You were there and you kind of made a good impression on me. I've been a fan of your work for a long time, but that just sort of reminded me sort of what I admire about your work. Uh, Specifically, when you came out on stage, you had a bag of chips and you were just like, so who are we burying? (laughs) So matter of fact. So, uh, can you imagine what would happen if they gave me a, a live mic on dynamite? Oof. <laughs> right? They, they ain't crazy though. They ain't crazy though. Just uh, maybe walk around uh, with the bag of chips, and then they'll know like you mean business this time. If that will do the trick, then brother, consider yeah. it ruffles every week. And then maybe an endorsement deal. Who knows? Well, uh, that would be something. But uh, that. And then uh, obviously the one that fans saw on TV was the accountability buddy. I got it right. So tongue tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were just like, Hey, like I just, I, I think it, both of those examples highlight how great your timing is. Uh, and I don't think you've necessarily gotten a chance to show that on TV. So is that something that you do want to highlight coming back? Because you, you've had a chance to do the 10 stuff and then you were the chairman. Obviously, that was a product of, you know, a live setting. And then some something that really wasn't for you. It was a vehicle for many different people. But is that something you do want to highlight when you're coming back? Or now that you're um, it, it just it depends. I've always been a very big uh, character driven person. I grew up on some of the if you watch the FTR Dax thing, then. Um, you, you know, I noted Mr. Perfect and I noted guys like Rick Rude and the model Rick Martel. I grew up on characters. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in people getting invested in characters. I think nowadays it's a lost concept to, to a degree. There's still a lot of characters in wrestling, but there seems to be more emphasis on the moves. And much like uh, I equate it to an actor with a script, Denzel Washington, in my opinion, is one of the greatest actors of all time. How he, words on a paper to him are his tools. Wrestling moves to us are just tools. It's the character that people get invested in, not necessarily the words on a page or the moves in a ring. So I will always be driven towards being a character-driven type person. Um, The stuff with the accountability buddy and throwing out like the haze and um, I kind of like to have layers to that character, whether that be comedic, whether that be, you know, angry. And he's, uh, you know, when he swings a chair and hits someone, he kind of gets, it's very euphoric for him, <laughs> quote unquote. Um, but these are just all layers to a personality that is one Sean Spears. So whether it's the chairman or the 10 stuff, I like to be able to be as wide ranged as possible. And I remember Dusty uh, telling me back in, you know, the FCW days, you know, obviously one of the greatest of all time, Dusty Rhodes saying, you know, um, anytime, you know, many times in this business, you're going to be handed um, chicken shit. It's just a matter of whether or not you can turn it into chicken salad. That's what makes a pro. And I like to think that anything that I've been handed, whether it's been for me specifically or been to highlight everybody else around me, I have turned everything that I've been given into chicken salad um, every single time. So whether or not I'm going to be highlighted coming back, um, I don't think that's going to be a thing. I think my role is pretty set in AEW. I 
um, for lack of a better, I, I don't care anymore. I want to go out and have banger matches. I want to wrestle Jay White's. I want to wrestle FTR. I want to wrestle Wardlow. I want to wrestle Max. I want to wrestle these guys because I am winding down. My time is coming to an end, and I want to have banger matches before I'm done, get it out of my system, and right off into the sunset. Uh, There's a lot to take in there, but Yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask... Uh... And you you said a lot there, like, um, but how much have your priorities shifted since you've become a parent? Because obviously, a lot of this is professionally speaking. And you during that live show, you did say, uh, you know, you you wanted to be a little more selfish. It's wild how um, your outlook, uh, your priorities are pretty set in stone. I think. Um, you know, my job until my son came around was to provide for my wife, take care of my wife, take care of my household. Now he's there. He's just an added addition to all that. So the priorities have always kind of stayed the same. My outlook towards life, towards work, that has changed pretty drastically. Um, my drive hasn't. My um, I'm, I'm a very goal-oriented person, but I'm also very level-headed and logical. I control what I can control. And you've heard that a million times. You can only control so much in pro wrestling. The rest is left up to the higher ups, blah, 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 blah. And that is true. The problem that I feel talent runs into is when they try to change that or they consistently fight back against something that in the end could very well be a losing battle. For that individual, that can cause a lot of mental anguish and cause a lot of stress. And you can really lose your enjoyment of what all this is. And let's not make a mistake. Like professional wrestling is very fun. It can be really, really fun. I get to put on tights and go out there and roll around with my buddies. Like it's really, it's a fun gig, um, but it is a business. And there is a business aspect to it that if you're not prepared for, or you constantly want to fight against, it's going to kind of make things you know unenjoyable for you as an individual. So coming back, uh, I am going to be a little more, selfish in regards to what I can control. So a lot of the things um, or a few things that you will see, I'm not sure when this airs um, that you see on TV, whether it be dynamite or rampage um, going forward has, has come from me, whether, you know, win, lose or draw it was probably my idea or it was whatever um, because believe it or not, or whatever anybody else wants to think. I've been doing this for over 21 years and I've been getting paid at a very high level to do this for over 14. So I know what I'm doing. So I'm not afraid to put that foot forward anymore. I'm not afraid to uh, put my voice out there. I'm not afraid to send a bunch of text messages, whether they're answered or not is a different story, but I don't, I don't care. I just want to enjoy the remaining time that I have and control what I can control. I understand where you're coming from, especially uh, at the end, the, the unanswered texts, you, you, you put your end out there, you did your part, whether that other side reciprocates that that's out of your hands. So, you know, right. But that's when you're younger, you get frustrated, but I think, you know, you reach a point where you realize you're doing everything you can for yourself. And that can take it two ways. Right. So I can literally say, I can get mad and say, why come no one's responding or no one wants to talk about this? Or I can go, I'm doing everything on my end. I'm checking all the boxes I can from this side of things. So at the end of the day, whatever happens, no matter what happens, I've done my best 
to my ability for the company that I work for, which is my job. That's it. So I can literally let it go and move on with the rest of my day and go hang out with my son. And now it's an afterthought until Wednesday or Friday or whatever. You mentioned Rick Martel, fellow Canadian. He was, he's so good. I think underrated. I think maybe he's finally starting to be more appreciated by not just that new generation WWF fan base, but like overall, just now that, you know, the internet, you can go back and find more of his work, especially, I mean, in WCW too, but have you ever uh, thought of pulling from the model gimmick, maybe taking an, an atomizer and. Oh, <laughs> oh, that would be a, it's a bit of a loaded, awesome. it's a bit of a loaded question because I didn't see this until about an hour ago, or maybe I have, but uh the the picture of your long hair. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. I never saw you that be, before. Uh, I, dude, if you kept the uh, hair, you had the thing, the arrogance, like it's a money gimmick. It 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 was a filter. I can't believe how many people bit hook, line, and sinker. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you grew your hair like while you were gone because I was like, I don't remember seeing this. Like I've seen pictures of you and. Maybe you kept it like no, I was gone for I was gone for maybe five months. I'm 42 years old, man. I, I can't grow hair like that if I wanted to. I'm trying. I mean, look, look. You're way ahead of the curve, more so than I am. No, that was a um, that was a filter. I was actually uh, taking a picture for uh, my friend. A friend of mine owns a tanning company, and they had done some in-home tanning. And I was just getting a picture done to show the tanning. And then my wife was goofing around with filters and she's like, Oh, look at this one. I go, man, that's pretty damn good filter. That's almost spot on. Send that to me. I was like, and I'll just post it and make a funny little joke at Tarzan. And you'd be surprised how many people said, Oh, why'd you cut your hair? Your hair was. And I went, if I could grow that, I would never have cut that. Well, you did. I had long hair before. That's why (laughs) I was like, I have no context of when it was taken or I just was like, Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, hair aside, uh, what kind of inspiration do you take from a guy like Rick Martel? Obviously, you're you're talking about you want wrestling to be more character based. He had a really great character for that particular run as the model, but short of completely copying it and paying homage to him. Is there any sort of stuff that you do like to work in? from that generation or maybe uh, yeah absolutely i think you nailed it on the head where you said um he had a very strong character for his generation or for his era because you had a guy rick martell who's in incredible shape has the charisma uh, of just as much as anybody else um and has this model character so you know at that time there was you know there was duke the dumpster you know, there was, um, you know, the gobbledygook, like there was some really over the top firemen, cowboys, all these kind of characters that we've kind of gone away with since, which is, is great. It's fine. Um, but that character in specific could work then and it could work now. Same thing with the million dollar man. Like, I think that could work nowadays. It's just a different spin that's put on it. Um, I 100% stole that. I don't know if you watched any Perfect 10 stuff and I do the little terrible cartwheel that I do. Mm-hmm. I stole, I stole that from him because he used to do, you know, whipped into the ropes. The guy would go for backdrop and he'd stop short and do a little cartwheel and then 
cheer and pop himself. And I'd be like, dude, this is, he had every dislikable quality and he had no, he was his own biggest fan. Uh, and that's one of the things that I, I took and I implement in my, especially if I'm on the heel side of things, I don't do a lot of moves when I'm a heel. I save a lot of that good stuff or that good offense. I can do all the springboards and all the shit off the top rope. I can do all that, but I save a lot of that for my baby face. I don't want to be a cool heel that's doing cool moves. I want to get booed. I want to be disliked. I want qualities about me as a person, as a character that is dislikable because that to me is what a heel truly is. Um, you know, a heel doesn't believe he's wrong. And Rick Martel never thought he did anything wrong. That's what made him so great. So yes, to answer your question, I definitely pull from guys like, like him and Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude, like just epic performers, hall of fame legends and, Underrated, I would 100% agree, um, but man, incredible performer. And if you want to look at it this way, he might not think he's wrong, but in his eyes, he is right, and the other side's wrong. It's that shades of gray, especially nowadays. You can make the argument that both sides are right. It's just who's going to win out at the end. So, Yeah. And they presented, I always thought they, they did a really great job of presenting him as a credible threat. Um, some of the guys you mentioned uh, maybe didn't get that. And, I, you know, they were treated maybe as enhancement talent. But I always thought he was put in a, in a good position to s- succeed. And one side note really quick, uh, I liked that that era because that was my introduction to many of these guys that I'd never seen before WWF. Like I always tell people, uh, I didn't know who Tracy Smothers was, but I knew Freddie Joe Floyd. And I thought it like, Mm. I thought he was a big deal because they were showing like, Hey, here's this guy we're putting on TV. And I was like, okay, I'm paying attention. And then later on I found out, Oh, he had all of this other stuff that I could figure out. And there's a lot of guys that fall under under that category. Yeah. Guys that can pretty much have a good match with anybody. And that's, if you're one of those people and a lot of people will say too, that I'm underrated or, uh, you know, hopefully one day he gets his flowers or all this kind of stuff. Like by that time, if we keep saying that, by the time that time rolls around, I will be long, long gone. Mm -hmm. Um, I take pride in being able to be, a guy that can go out and have a good match with anybody. I could start off the show in the first match. I can do your crossover and I could main event if I need to. It's wherever you need me, I'm available. And I know how to um, without pulling a curtain back too much. Like I can create time if it's needed. I can cut time if it's needed and I can do it in a heartbeat without a second thought on live television. My benefit to a company kind of that that's my that's where I excel the most. The end ring part is the easy part. The wrestling part's the easy part. It's the rest of the things that come into play on live TV in a chaotic chaotic environment with thousands of people around you. When sometimes things are not going right, that's where I excel the most. AEW Summer Tour of Canada is coming up. That's got to mean a lot to you. The last time you were in Canada with the company, uh, you got some uh, ring time to deliver you know a really nice speech to to your hometown crowd but what does it mean to have this sort of extended opportunity to you know starting with forbidden door june 25th in toronto and then i think it's 
five weeks, seven, you know, six or seven events over that time where AEW is really going to get a chance to be in front of the different provinces. Uh, and I know Edmonton, Calgary are a couple of them. What's that mean to you to not only have the company that you work for be on that tour, but to put yourself in a situation where you could be competing on many of these shows? Um, I think it's a great, we've, AEW has wanted to hit Canada for a very long time. Um, they've just been, you know, sorting out the logistics that are, you know, all those details are far above my pay grade, but Canada has been in the works for a very long time. And I think even Tony Khan himself has, you know, said on Twitter or once or twice, like, hey, Canada, you know, we're coming, like, we're going we're gonna to get there. I'm working on it. And true to his word, he has. Uh, for me personally, it, you know, and guys like, I can't speak for them, but the guys like Jericho, the Omegas, the, you know, we have a lot of Canadians that are now on the AEW roster. It's almost like, uh, I'm looking at it for me personally, kind of like a full circle type type thing. And uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity financially for the company. Uh, selfishly, I better be on this tour. It'd be ridiculous not to have any of our Canadians on it. Um but I even sent out uh, an idea today for, for the Forbidden Door 2 just to kind of, you know, it's a special kickoff. Forbidden Door is massive. In Toronto, they have always been uh, more than gracious, more than welcoming to me. And like you mentioned last October, uh, very uh, uh, vulnerable, personal, uh, but very public moment uh, for me there. And they were just very, you know, you can almost feel, and I'm being biased, they're Canadians. Uh, you can almost feel the uh, the acceptance and the comfort coming from an audience like that. So I have no doubt that with all the shows that we have there, I don't even know, like you said, we're going through the prayer. Like we're hitting almost everything all the way out to, I think, the West Coast, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. So I hope to be on those shows. I look forward to be on those shows. Uh, if not, you know, you're going to hear some Sean Spears got in trouble backstage for yelling at the fact that he wasn't on Canadian shows and threw a bag down a hall and kicked a door and all that stuff. So if I'm not on those shows, they're going to have to yank me out of there kicking and screaming. There's a chair involved too. Oh, there's going to be multiple chairs involved if that's the case. <laughs> Come on. Uh, all right. Uh, favorite match that you've been a part of uh, since you've arrived in AEW, whether it's, whether it's one or you have a, a few uh, in any particular reason you have you have uh enjoyed whether i mean you competed in it you could have been at ringside it could have been just anything come to mind there, there's been a few matches that um that i've been uh proud to be a part of only because they were either new uh new for me personally or they wouldn't have happened anywhere else um you know the match coming into aw with cody was was pretty important to me only because we had we always kept in touch, obviously, but we hadn't touched or wrestled each other in, in 10 years. And then we go out there on pay-per-view and do what we did. Um, I thought that angle created a lot of buzz because that was pre-TV. So we ended up um, really selling that match uh, just based off of things that we did on the internet. Um, I think wrestling in uh, Blood and Guts, the first ever Blood and Guts was was, was pretty important. Um the stadium stampede, I I loved. I mean, that was a long ass filming of a day, 
but the stuff I got to do with Sammy, like a lot of it was one take. We just went in there, balls to the walls, 2 a.m. in the morning, just knocking it all out. And then to see how well our production team put it together and how epic things were that turned out very well. Wrestling Chris Jericho one-on-one was uh, something that I had asked to do because I wanted to see how his mind worked and I wanted to see how he thought and I wanted to see what uh, what I can learn from him because I, I run a wrestling school. So anything I can learn from wrestling with these guys who are considered greats, legends, Hall of Famers, I can at least feel and understand firsthand and then pass that knowledge along to younger talent in hopes that one day they'll be able to experience the same thing I did. So I find it comedic sometimes, even to this day, I still see it every now and then that, you know, since Sean Spears came to AEW, he hasn't done anything of relevance. He hasn't done anything noteworthy. He's blah, 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 blah. I've done more in three years than I would have done probably anywhere else. And I've wrestled guys that I probably wouldn't have been in the ring with. Uh, anywhere else and I've been put in very high pressure situations more so than I probably would have anywhere else so um, those are just a few matches that I really enjoyed I thought the angle with um, when we were kind of doing the the pinnacle and CM Punk bit and then even when Max and I were doing the Wardlow bit uh, I thought those angles were fantastic I think we did incredible business. We hit the nail on the head. And uh, so I've been fortunate to be a part of some really fun stuff and good stuff going forward. So um, I guess that's the question though. We'll see what happens going forward. <laughs> no, see, you can't pick one moment. That's why I tried to keep it a little open-ended, but. Uh... Nah, nah, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't pinpoint it for you, buddy. I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I, I I did it on purpose. I don't usually nobody ever uh nobody ever gives me like one answer. It's like, oh, I like this or this. I've had a few people actually give me the same match like twice. So I never expected that either. That I'm was- always one of my worst uh, me personally, I'm and I believe this about all great wrestlers, we're our own worst critics. So I could tell you something that I think was a good match and I'll go back and watch it and I'm like, "Oh god, I can't believe I did that or I should have done this or I should have I'll I, I'll never have a, a five-star match, in my opinion, or seven stars, or whatever the ranking is nowadays. In my opinion, never. Never will I ever. And a lot of people watching this will say, or no, no ten stars either. But a lot of people watching this will say, oh, yeah, of course you won't. No, I, I don't, because I don't believe it, it, it exists, because there's always something to improve on somewhere. And the good ones will always find, like, where... You know, and I learned that back in, in, in my XT days under Shawn Michaels in his class. He doesn't go, he doesn't watch a lot of his matches back. And I was like, oh, come on. He goes, no, 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 no. If he feels good about it, he lets it go. And so I, I kind of, I understand that mindset a little bit. If I feel good about it, I let it go. But I'll, I'll never have a five-star classic because I will always find something that I could have done better. All right. I respect it. So I don't know if that answers it for you, but that's probably why I can't pinpoint something. It, it you're 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 your own worst critic. Uh, I I experience imposter syndrome too, so I, I get where there you go. This was uh, plenty of fun. I was a little disappointed about uh, finding out that you didn't actually grow your hair out, but otherwise, <laughs> very fun. Uh, dude. If I could do it, I would, I, I, but I know I can't. Baltimore this week. Uh, we have a quick turnaround. I'm going to have this out tomorrow. So Baltimore this week. Best of luck moving forward. Hopefully we see you on Forbidden Door. Uh, you kind of t- 
teased you put out an idea there so we'll just let it lie as it is and then hopefully we see you on you know multiple canada canada stops so thanks for the time and you know best of luck moving forward i appreciate your kind words man the pleasure was all mine you take care